Welcome to the Better Business, Better Life podcast with one of your hosts, Stuart Wilkinson, and... And the other one, David Jags. There we go. Welcome, Dave. Hope you had a good long weekend. I did. I did. I did almost get slightly caught out this morning. I remember sitting at my desk and him, right, you know, get stuck into the week, get ready for like national team call and stuff like that. And then I was like, whoa, we got a podcast. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Tuesday. It's not Monday. <laughs> So today, everyone, we are talking about sustainable competitive advantage, and um, we've got you know, Dave's going to share some really good um, real life examples from his business. We'll talk about it in a number of different facets of whether it's you trying to figure out the moment, how it can help your decision making. But I think it'd be fair to say, Dave, with maybe you know, not going too doomsday again, but things are getting a little tougher, budgets getting a bit tighter, being clear about what you're about to your customers and how you create value for your customers and yourself and what your advantage is over your competitors is probably more important than ever. Like you can maybe get away with it when there's lots of money flying around the, the pot, you know, but if, uh, if there's not, you're going to have to yeah. be very clear on it. Um, yeah, fair? you need to be clear on that. And it's, um, it's what stands you out from the crowd, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yep. And it's probably where you find your maximum profit or your best profit yes. margin. So yeah, and, and you we t- when when you brought it up, I was like, yeah, that's a really good topic for that Tuesday podcast. Well, and and I think like, I think it's something. I remember I remember last week you talked about um, Australia session with clients around with a client, and they were talking around yeah A B C D clients. And I suppose in some ways, part of this is to make sure you're dealing more with your A type clients and whatever that is for you can can differ. Um, but just being clear on your value, make sure you may got a better chance of getting high quality clients, long-standing clients, all those kind of things. I think it just if you get it right and you make it very clear, it will help you make all of your decisions. So if you ever get confused about a decision, it's like, does it work towards that? And if it doesn't, move on. Anyway, we've deviated. How was your weekend? <laughs> Mine was good. It was a um, it was a bit of a wet and up and down uh, weekend in Auckland, but it was good. Um, thoroughly enjoyed a marvelous Blues victory um, where we are going hot for the title, but don't want to get too carried away. Uh, but I am looking forward to the day that we may win, and I will phone up our Christchurch office individually and talk to them about it because we know that the Crusaders fans <laughs> love that. Um, so yeah, I think I don't think Kev will be too happy. No, no, but it will be joyful. But let's not count our chickens. Yeah. It's been a long time. Um, okay, right. Let's. So, Dave, how would you start competitive um, advantage, or what does that mean to you? Um, so competitive advantage to me, I guess, so I've, I kind of, I come at this from two sides. One, I think I came at it from a business side of things and I probably still very much look at it like that. But then now I look at it from the other side of working with business owners. Yep. Um, so for me, when I was owned a business, it was like, well, what's going to stand me out from the crowd? Why do people are going to come to me rather than anyone else? Do you know what I mean? And I guess that was what like hinged the whole idea of beyond when we first started it, to be totally honest with you. Um, but now again, it's working with business owners. I think it's more about understanding sometimes what their values are and why they started the business. Yep. Cause actually quite a lot of the time that is what makes it unique like a really kind of unique value proposition. Um, for me, those things are kind of more in that kind of smaller enterprise type thing and However, I guess when you get to the bigger 
business type stuff. It's more around like where are you making the most money? Have you monopolied the market? Yeah. Have you got the client base? Do you know what I mean? So I think there's kind of two ways to look at it for me personally. And one is in that smaller one of like creating that unique environment. And then as you get, say, a little bit larger, it's actually, you know, looking at the value proposition and the scalability. Yeah. I think for me, I think there's, I'll talk about it for, I guess, relevance to our clients and then maybe some broader things. I think there's there's two cases where I, th- well, it's always important sustainable competitive advantage, but I think we have, on one extreme, you have industries where there are a lot of, I'll call it owner-operated, but business owners or, you know, like, especially in things like the construction industry, where there is a lot of builders, electricians, that the model is a lot of uh, small ownership. So you've got a lot of players, you know, fighting over or competing over the same market so being really clear there i think is important like because if you've got yeah i don't know if you're in the north shore of auckland where i live um there's going to be x amount of builders and so if you're all pitching over the commercial or sorry a, a residential renovation market or something like that what is your point of difference and it's some people go oh, it's very hard and is whatever but we'll get into a bit about the factors later but i think it's just being clear about what you're about there um Secondly, I've got you know one, another client that I, I work with. And I think about it is they they work in quite a niche industry where nationally there's five players that they do what they do, but two of them are huge companies like massive. Um, the other two are kind of smaller, and he's probably in this one of the smallest because he's kind of up and going. But again, when you're in a very you, know, you could call it traditional market there where there's only a few players. Again, you've got to be very clear about what you're about. So I think people can look at it both extremes where you go, oh, there's not many uh, competitors because it's a very niche market, and so it's very clear. But we've actually had, a with that client in particular, had a long discussion around it. I think the other thing is, um, is a sustainable competitive advantage should add value to you and the customer i feel you know being very clear about what you're out is then links to your strategy and where you invest your resources to to increase your sustainable competitive advantage which then in 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 short hopefully creates some barriers around your customers so your competitors can't come and get them so part of it is also being very clear on your advantage so you can cement that even further down the track um and i think the classic one in some ways around sustainable kind of advantage if you think about the ones we all know and how they've done it is you know apples we always talk about the big boys and how they've done it but yeah. apple been very clear about what they're about and then they've just linked things to it so they've kind of really honed in and just locked people into their ecosystem saying oh, now you're in there now that's harder to replicate i get that in the smaller business thing but part of this is how you how you get long-term customers from this process i think as well that's my yeah. view anyway yeah, you get, you get your life members, don't yeah. you? Your life customers or your repeats, which is where it starts to get really interesting. And I think, you know, other than potentially when you're working on that whole price point at the larger end, you know, if you're producing product or the quality of the product, you know, at the smaller end, quite often you are, if you're in that more service-based industry, you are working on customers for life. Yes. You know, you get them once and you will hold them for 10, 15, 20 plus years if you get this sustainable competitive advantage right. Because you get them to invest into you and the business. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's, yeah, very important to understand how big it can be if you get it right. Yep. 
completely as agree. a kind of sales point. So what would be, for you, Dave, what would be some examples people could think about around sustainable competitive advantage? Um, awesome examples. Well, so this is quite a lot. I've been doing a lot of uh, business strategy sessions up in Auckland, as you kind of know, just recently. Um, and it's been a real good time to do it because I think there's a lot of business have been bouncing out of COVID. Um, things are on the up. They don't have to worry about lockdown. Mm. So they're kind of using this as a time to reboot. Um, so it's actually been something that I've been working through. And quite often, I'll literally just start with a big mind map and get them to tell me about their business and explore strengths and weaknesses. Um, and then literally from there, it's highlighting what I normally try and get them to do is highlight three main strengths. What actually stands you out? Like, why are you good? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not necessarily what stands you out from the crowd, but why are you good? Um, and I was working with a videographer recently and he was just like, you know, storytelling. Um, he came up with a few other bits and pieces, but we, and then I always try and turn that into a competitive advantage yeah. for them. So like a one sentence competitive advantage that hinges everything that they kind of do and believe in. So I guess when you're kind of doing it that way, I kind of work off that side of things, but I guess, you know, you're talking either it's about a brand that people are investing into. Um, it could be the fact that you've got a huge amount of reach um, that gives you that competitive advantage, a unique product, or you've got that kind of ability that makes whatever you're doing very unique. Um, and then I guess the next ones go into that more like uh, cost effective type thing. But I feel like, again, that's bigger business type yep. stuff rather than in that smaller enterprise. Um, and then you might also get like those type of exclusive licenses. So got, now I'm always going to be a little bit geared to that smaller business type way yeah. of it. Cause that's where I've come from and what I've known and where I had to pitch myself in the market. So I kind of understand it. But I think you can still, you still get, um, you know, I guess a number of importers or whatever who are, you know, medium sized companies, small to medium companies and in, in a certain yep. industries where an exclusive distribution license for ABC, whatever, um, then means you wrapped up that. Yep distribution link and opportunity into the yeah. resellers or whatever i guess so there's, but yeah. i i think it's i think your point around price and is i think it's a dangerous game to go down and be oh i'm on price now you know there's plenty of good examples where price um has been um the way that people compete but it's tend to be from scale and the ability to you know the supermarkets in some ways are a good example of this but you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a slippery slope. I feel price to go down. I, f I find price a really interesting one because it was something I got challenged on massively when I was when I was a, a young PT back in the day, and like I fought like not to change prices, but then eventually I was like, now nah, try it, and I was blown away by the outcomes of changing prices. So were you challenged like, to go up or down? Up, yeah, massively up, hugely up, like uh over 60 percent up and so what let's talk through that day because i think that's a common situation is i yeah and it doesn't matter what size your business you are to be brutally honest you've you come in yep. business is going well you've grown whatever um you're new to business i need to get some sales i need to get some money in the door yeah so i will take so, anything so i guess so we're going to go on a little bit of a i guess tangent here but so average lifespan of a pt is 18 months yeah. So you get that first year of thinking, oh, this is glamorous. And then you realize actually it's not. You have to work at five o'clock in the morning 
till about seven or eight. Then you have this kind of busy period during like that kind of after school drop mm. and then you're busy at the end of the day. So it's actually horrendous actually as a life shift. So you're like, this is not going to last. So they have this natural drop off. Average kind of pay rate, it's probably about $60 an hour when you actually work it out. But that's obviously only when you're with clients. And I remember being challenged by this guy who uh, I learned a hell of a lot from him over my time as a PT. And he was actually a client of mine. And um, he was just like, you need to put your rate up. And in your head, that goes against everything you believe in. You're like, if I put my rate up, they're going to leave me. They're just going to go to someone else. And he was like, no, you need to put your rate up because you're good. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I do think I'm better than the other PTs in the room. And he's like, well, why are you charging the same as them then? <laughs> And it was a real, it was a real challenge. And I guess cutting a long story short, I put my rate up through the roof because I wanted to clear out some clients I didn't want, but keep the ones I did want. I didn't lose any clients. I just got more asking for me. Because it's because it, there's a price. I of was better psychology about it. Is that's more expensive, so it must be better a little bit. I guess Dave was was it a bit about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally it was. And it was like mind blowing. And then, you know, every time people would be like, oh, you charge a lot compared to other people. Why? I was like, well, I'm good. <laughs> was that your sustainable competitive advantage? I am good. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my sustainable competitive advantage, but it was amazing. People just went, oh, okay. Well, it's so it was this really bizarre thing. Like that wasn't a sustainable competitive advantage, but it blew my mind on the price point of like, actually, you don't have to go down to be better or to sustain more. Or, or to get the volume, What because I guess if you put yourself, I don't yeah. know, in simple maths, if you double your price, you can do half the work and get the same amount of income if it's in, in very broad Yeah, terms. which means that you can then put more quality time into the clients that you do have. Yes. And you can, can be the guy service. who's responsive. You can be the guy who checks in regularly you know, sends them a message. You can be the guy who forwards them stuff that's relevant to them because you're not servicing as many people. So if you're getting paid $60 an hour and you up it to 100, well, effectively, you've just bought yourself an extra 40 minutes mm. where you can actually spend 40 minutes on them throughout the week when they're not with you. And that 40 minutes is priceless because they're like, oh, he, he genuinely cares. And I guess, but does, that's a great example, though, Dave, of thinking about you know your price to your sustainable competitive advantage. Because I guess if, in that example, and uh, we are latching onto this because I think it's something that probably most people can re relate to in their own business is the you know if your sustainable competitive advantage is um, I'm going to make this up, but is as a as a personal trainer, I will be uh, diligent in my follow up. I will check in with you twice a week yeah. outside our sessions or something along that lines. And people go, oh yeah, that's great because I've had PDs before and they've I've had the session, but then it goes into yeah. black hole territory. Well, like you've pointed out there though, Dave, is your pricing has to give you the structure to allow you to deliver the advantage that yeah. you want within your business. And I think um, we we we've done some work with master electricians over the last two years, and when that when we started talking with them, one of their fears or one of the things they've come to us for, and, and then one of the concerns is as an industry, people go through the apprenticeship and whatever but you know you go and become an electrician's own you know in your own business that's kind of the the thing you go for and one yeah. of the things is people go in and what's the first thing they think about price oh i better get some work so i will just go in whatever just I'll, and, and it ends up as a race to the bottom correct and and i think at the end of the day you know you've got to give yourself doesn't matter whether you're an electrician a pt a marketing agency some form of product or distributor, restaurant, 
doesn't matter what it is, but if you've got if you're clear about what your sustainable kind of competitive advantage is, you've got to then price accordingly to main be able to deliver that. As I guess the message from the yeah. lesson from your example, Dave. So, so like we made like our actual competitive advantage at the time. So we kind of broke it down into three things, and we made them our brand pillars. So it was results, uh, adventure, and community. So one as a PT or a physio, cause we were kind of that combined setup was it was getting results. We will get you results, you know, and everything we marketed ourselves on was getting results for the client. Um, the adventure side of it was because believe it or not, I actually like, I, yeah, I owned a gym, but I hate gyms fundamentally. I just like, why would you do it? Do you know what I mean? But you need to, so you can go and do like the cool things. Like this no. is New Zealand. This is literally the adventure playground of the world. So you need to kind of go into the gym and you need to look after yourself and you need to do your strength and conditioning so that you can go and walk up mountains, do a multi-sport race. Do you know what I mean? Do those bits and pieces in life. Um, and then the community side of it, that was the last kind of brand pillar. And that was because we didn't want it to be somewhere that people just wandered in, were nameless. Yep. You know, we wanted them to come to the gym because they would be missed, you know? Where were you yesterday morning? We didn't see you. And the whole crew that were training that morning mm. missed you. Um, because actually, once you become part of the community, you don't wanna leave. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's as much about that, you know? They all went for coffee afterwards because they knew about each other's kids or partners or what was going on at work, you know? And often we kind of found that we built that community so well that people would actually share their problems at work within a group environment of like 10 people in a class because they'd learned to trust them so much that yeah. it was like, it was their friend network. So like we, that was how we made that, like our sustainable competitive advantage. But then we had to realize that we'd done it really well. And then we had to reprice it up yeah. quite substantially to give us the time to maintain it because we'd created something that was bigger than just a standard PT kind of setup and we had to charge for it and i guess you're yeah and you're not because i guess anyone can i'm being very crass here and very simplistic yeah. put a treadmill or some weight machines and go here's here's you know mm -hmm. sign up for x amount a week you know membership model yeah um but a lot of what you've talked about is not the equipment it's not the it's about the and some of it's intangible actually in some ways you could say there dave the community what is community that's an intangible kind of thing in some ways but yeah it's interesting that so many people in their business, when they look at it, they're competing on the same things that any, which are the low barrier to entry things that anyone who wants to open that type yeah. of business can do. Whereas what you've talked about yeah. is intangible. You can't just create community without um, a real, you know, it takes time. It takes a lot of time to create that. Well, we're pulling on the emotional heartstrings, weren't we? Do you know what I mean? We created a friendship circle that people didn't want to leave. Uh, you know, we did pride ourselves on results, which is kind of what gets people in the door. And then the adventure side of it is, you know, that was just a fundamental core belief of who we are. But like that competitive advantage gave us the ability, one, to increase our price drastically compared to a lot of people. But two, it gave us the opportunity then to get people to safeguard their slots with us. Yep. So we limited membership. We had limited capacity. Uh, we charged three months upfront. It was a three month lock in which we ended up making a six month lock in and then turned into a year up front for like PT slots and things like that, which just safeguarded income. So it gave us the opportunity to really like dictate how we wanted to operate to create security within the business. 
that's kind of counterintuitive to how so you literally looked at everything that was wrong with the gym industry and or the normal things that people would did and were like that normal people struggled with yeah so like we never ever did one-off pt sessions just nat won't do it and then we ended up pushing it all the way out to we we're having yeah a year up getting pe- people were paying a year up front that's nuts. and that was whether that was whether they did or didn't come because they wanted to keep that slot because we kind of had that real like personal unique kind of vibe going on. And you so and you you had limited slots so there's the exclusive a- aspect there to maintain community because yeah. obviously once you get to a certain amount of numbers yeah you kind of lose that uh, to a degree you know yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah and you know it was it really was and it was something I was massively challenged by a couple of guys that I trained to really like work on and push but it was a real mental shift in my head because everything I wanted to turn and discount when actually it was like well no how can you provide value in other ways so I could provide value by being attentive I could provide value by running a community event where I could take the members for a run but actually it was one hour of my life servicing yeah 60 members do you know what I mean so it's like one to many rather than me discounting myself to the others yep so, and, and Dave, we were talking about this before, uh, sort of one of the things that sustainable competitive advantage for your your previous business, one of the things that y- when you realized it in some ways was was doing things that then f- went out of that and that, uh, and you made decisions which were, you thought were good at the time, but actually what the sustainable competitive advantage kind of l- lesson that, that's taught you <laughs> is be, be true to yourself and be try and be really good at what you yeah. do rather than kind of diversify too much. Yeah, so we um, we started running trail races, event like uh, trail running. We did some duathlons, we did some bits and pieces. There's like a awesome kind of uh, park near here called the Tech Park. It's kind of between Rotorua and Tauranga. And so we had a 10k trail race series, three races over the winter months, and then we ended up growing it to a half marathon and a marathon. So we kind of run all these things, and we wanted to do it to give our members something to train for. Was kind of the goal. And to like create some team spirit type stuff. But um, we just found that, well, to be honest with you, the amount of work it required for us to be able to do it versus what we got back, just wasn't worth it, Yeah, to be totally honest with you. And I think we kind of explored it for like three or four years and it did well. Do you know what I mean? Like it, you know, it was good. It was good fun. You always walked away. Everyone was like buzzing. But I kind of just realized very quickly that Anything that took us away from the studio and the gym and the physio clinic was actually counterproductive. Yeah. And um, so like me and my business partner at the time, Cormac, we literally, after that, it was always a case of no, we just, we do not leave our box. This is the box that we operate in and we'll be really, really good in this box. But people would say, oh, could you come and run some stuff for me over here? And it's like, oh, you can come to us though. (laughs) And like, it it would frustrate some people. They'd be like, oh no, but we want you to come. Mm Mm-mm. Like we've got this real cool studio clinic. We've got everything we need here. We, we're not moving. Like if you want the beyond experience, you have to come to beyond. Yeah. So in some ways, what sustainable competitive advantages has done in that example, Dave is be really clear for decision-making as well. Like what do we do? What do we commit to? Where do we invest? Yeah. And to be honest, I think that was when we hit our straps was when we realized actually we've done something really good we tried to kind of diversify to kind of you know increase that kind of spend per customer but actually 
it was kind of counterintuitive and it took us to a point that actually we weren't as profitable as we were if we just stayed really true to who we were. Yeah. And like, you know, we definitely had some moments later on in that kind of whole business where we were like, oh, should we go off and explore this avenue? Like open a second clinic, mm. uh, open a second area and these kind of things. And we always pulled it back to that competitive advantage of like, well, we're really good at who we are right now. Can we recreate that? Do you know what I mean? Can I teach other PTs to do what I do? When you're not on Because we had like a team well. of like, well, we, we had a team of three PTs working real hard and they were awesome. Um, and like we did manage to recreate it with them, but it's like, if I'm not there, can it be recreated? And the same was for physio, you know, we had like a real strong team of physios, but can it be recreated? And learning how to recreate the PT way and the physio way was really interesting. And it kind of got to a point that we only ever took on brand new, new grads. We wouldn't take anyone who'd have experience because, <laughs> well, uh, you can teach them how you want them to yeah. operate yeah. when they're kind of fresh out of uni. Yeah. So it was quite an interesting like um, experience. Whereas when you get someone in with some experience, you get an element of strength but potentially you get an element of weakness in, well, no, this is how I've done it. For yeah. And I'll just and carry on. Like, well, yeah. you've come here now and this is how we do so it. I guess a question there, Dave, and Dave probably didn't realize we we're going to turn this into Dave's life story of his business career. Um, but I think what, what I like about this uh, the story, I think is, um, Dave, Dave's highs and lows, highs of successes and dives, Dave's autobiography <laughs> um, is it's, I think this is probably really relatable. So uh, my, my question, I guess there, Dave is around with, with with beyond and what you guys were doing is you know the questions of how uh, scalable some of that stuff was and and you know, you were a you're a business that was you weren't about volume but i guess it's scalability aspect is if we move to another site or another venue or, or whatever and not and not saying that that was in your business plan but i guess there'll be business owners here say, listening to this going i'm i'm kind of feeling the same as what dave's saying here but i i have a passion and it's part of my business plan to open whatever it is, another get another team. It might be, I'm in a construction business. I've got a great um, group already, but I need to set up another team to maximize what we're doing. So yeah. I guess where, how do you, what did you look around there with scalability and, and was it just, so this was going to be too we, hard we or do you think it was doable? Uh, so we, we had a real cool site in Towering Town. Um, we looked at some venues in the Mount. We got very, very close to signing up to a lease in the amount. But I think that was being very true to who we are and understanding our competitive advantage was actually the fact that we can't replicate what we've got very easily. Yep. We had a really, really good setup. Um, and to be honest, that's why I don't work there anymore <laughs> is the fact that, you know, I had a really strong business partner and actually for us to continue on our growth journeys, it was for him to take it over. Yeah. And for me to go because uh, physio, you need to have obviously a physio qualification from university, so on and so forth. Whereas a PT, you can actually just go and do a three month qualification and it comes down more to personality. So it was actually like a logical progression for both of us to kind of go on this way because we realized we couldn't replicate to a second venue. So the most profitable way for the business was to be off one Winona. really, really strong yeah. venue. And that was all about sustaining that competitive advantage. 
So, and you know, I think that's quite often what you see with a lot of businesses. And it's something that I challenge a lot of businesses on is, well, actually, where are you most profitable? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like six members of staff, 12 members of staff. Have you kind of worked this out? How many people can you manage? If you add another member of staff, do you need to add a complete set of new tools or another van? Mm. And then once you've got that van, well, how many people do you need to have before it's profitable again? Like there's all these little points within your business that you need to work out, like maintaining my competitive advantage keeps the business going, but where is that competitive advantage most profitable? Yeah. And we worked out that one venue was most profitable because we'd just dilute our market. And it was, yeah. And we weren't confident that we could sustain the competitive advantage anymore. And, I th- and we've seen a lot of businesses do it and fail on that second venue. Yeah, and I think it's whether it's I don't know. You, know, you can. There's plenty of examples here. Whether it's a, a restaurant, cafe, and they open up a second venue or third venue. Whether it's uh, yeah. you know maybe a product related, and you're looking at how you you know get into new markets or whatever overseas, whatever. It's when you when you're in the, your, your when you're in your origins of wherever you started the business, the four walls or wherever it is but you take that leap to a, a second office, a second team or whatever it is, I guess what it probably under, underpins the sustainable competitive advantage is, is being really clear and understand what it is. Like you've talked about that, Dave, but then the systems and processes you put behind the scenes to go, yeah. well, look, is this, can we do this? Is this replicable? Can we replicate this or is this scalable and, and really understanding that? But I think what you probably to your point there, Dave is being pretty brave about your decision-making and going, well, what is doable and what's not here? What what are what is things that we go? Hey, we can't replicate well, think, it, but is that the end of the world? But that we is the end of the world if we can't replicate that. Yeah, big bigger isn't always better. Is kind of what we realised. Actually, mm. small and profitable is sometimes bigger than bigger and less profitable. So it's actually understanding that, um, and that's understanding like the whole dynamics. And it's there's things in there that uh, I didn't realise until you kind of someone sits down and tells you it's like if you've got six members of staff you always have someone away yeah true always four weeks annual leave 10 stat days 10 days sick leave so you budget that in that's two months gone so six members of staff one person's always and that's before covid (laughs) that was before covid um do you know what i mean so it's kind of like there's these things in there that like do massively affect scalability and profitability and i think they all need to be taken into consideration when you're working on that sustainable competitive advantage yeah because you've got to stay true to who you are as a business and i think also you've got to work out where your value proposition comes from like are you centered around earning like annual earnings at the end of the year or is there an element in there that actually for you as a business owner value comes from the freedom and flexibility of being a business owner or you know uh or is it actually i don't need a huge income i just want to be able to have time at home it could be or work from home do you know what i mean so it's actually understanding those things do you want influence um because that you know these things all affect what your competitive advantage is and then how you then onset your drive your business it's because i think and i talked about this before same client i referenced earlier but one of the things they've one of their things that's really important to them is the environment for their team like it's really important to them really important yes um and I think, and we've talked a lot about that, about the size of growth. Because he's been, you know, this business, he's a consulting business um, and he's been growing, 
like 100% in the last two years. He's doubled his revenue and, you know, now got a team of three. Um, and the trajectory is that's going to keep going. No lack of work. Um, but we talked about that. We said, look, what, air, what, what size of business is... And this was we didn't talk about numbers, but we said that you can maintain what you wanted yep. here. And we said he he was like ten, that's it. And it doesn't matter if he could get to twenty and what that means in the resurgence of revenue. But yep. we talked through it about what he wants and his involvement with his staff and his team, the ability, how involved he, he he is, and not involved with client work and all that sort of stuff. It's just, and I think there is a reason often people start their business and they with. And I think you've talked about a little bit there, Dave, about frustrations yeah. in an industry you know what the what a model that yeah. might have always been in place and ingrained has kind of meant a result for customers so going back to to what you actually started the business for is a really good starting point probably around sustainable competitive advantage because you did it for a yeah. reason yeah 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 like and that's the thing isn't it but yeah understanding that and working at how it kind of sells into your business is the real crucial thing. And I think really when you set up a business or you come up with your kind of concept, understanding the scalability of what you're doing and how you sustain the standards that you've got or understanding how you can like replicate it. You know, it's all about that because there's so many external factors that are going to come into play and you need to be able to keep your key point of difference. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's price point, whether it's the quality of the service that you're providing, you need to be able to re replicate it. And before you even consider any form of growth, can you sustain who you are yep. as a business? Because it will change all the time. And I think that's really, really important to understand. And then, you know, do that budget, do the forecast, actually work out where is your most profitable point. Because quite often it's like you'll get to a point and it's like either you can't get the staff because you can't and you can't replicate what you're doing. You've saturated the market and actually there's no more people out there mm. to go and do the work for, whether it's window cleaning or something like that. There's only so many people who are going to want their windows cleaned. So at what point do you hit saturation and like monitoring that? So there's just lots of things to do and to keep in mind when you're building that competitive advantage, I think. But I think it all comes down to the business values and that like unique proposition that they've got. Awesome, Dave. I think that's a and nice check in my notes. I know, but I think I know. I think I think that was a really good conversation, I and I think it's probably pretty relatable for a lot of business owners. So, what I'll do yeah. is um, in the show notes, we will there'll be a link to a, a Loom, which is a video tool, but a, a video uh, to take you through a tool. Um, which you can easily do at home and, and just do yourself to sort of work out how you might get your sustainable competitive advantage. So check that out in the show notes. Um, but hope you enjoy this episode. If you did, please give us a review, like, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, and tune in next week for the next episode. But thanks very much, Dave. Thank you.